again today. I want to invite your attention to Genesis chapter 22. When my prayer is to obey, obey God. Genesis 22. I was watching college game day for a moment yesterday. This has nothing to do with the state that college game day was in, Tennessee. It has nothing to do with a football game yesterday at Tennessee because this statement I'm getting ready to make could be played out in various cities across our country because of college football. They were showing people who were at college game day, and then they were showing signs of people in the crowd. And One of the signs said this, I will give my all to Tennessee today. And they were touching it and so forth. And the Holy Spirit convicted me, I will give my all to Tennessee today. Again, other college sports towns could say the same thing. I wonder this morning, as we think about when my prayer is to obey God, how many of us got up this morning? The Lord's given us life, given us breath. We can see, we can hear, we can make our way into this worship gathering. How many of us got up this morning and said to the Lord Jesus, Jesus, I give you my all today. Happened in college football yesterday. What about in worship to the one who gave his life for us? Lord, I give you my all today. I pray that's your prayer. I pray that's my prayer. Not just for a football game, but the one who has defeated death and the grave and who is alive and his name is above every other name. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll be with him forever and forever. I don't know about you, but how many of you like to take tests? Most of us probably don't. And as I think about life, I've taken a lot of life tests, but I've taken a lot of academic tests. And then there are medical tests involved as well over the last couple of years. We got very familiar with COVID tests. Have you been tested? We understand tests. I, I think about tests that I've taken when I was 16 years old. I went to the courthouse one morning. I was going to get my driver's permit. Had to take a written test and a vision test. I passed the written test and failed the vision test. Uh, that's disappointing to a 16-year-old, and I had to go back and take it again. When we moved to Tennessee, uh, not far up the road, I went to get my driver's license changed, and I thought I'd just pay him some money and take a picture. didn't know I was going to have to take an eye exam in that process. and I'd had my eyes dilated that morning, so I'm looking in this kind of outdated piece of machinery, and she said, in order to get your license, you're going to have to read those, those numbers there and letters and I was doing everything I could, turning my head every way I knew to turn it. And I started to sweat bullets and nothing was working right. And she kept saying, you're not getting them right. You're not getting them right. And I thought, well, Lord Jesus, I'm not even going to get a Tennessee driver's license here. And so Angie probably praying for me. And so I didn't know what else to do. I just threw out some numbers. After a while, it was almost closing time for them. And the grace of God just fell upon me. And she said, yeah, you got them right. I said, praise the Lord. I, there's no way those numbers could have been right. Uh, but, but the test. Uh, when I was, uh, again, just in teenage years, I was driving home one night, had a sports car, come to a red light, look behind me, the a police officer's behind me. And so I go through the red light, and I'm literally right in front of the police station, and the blue lights come on. I pull over. I'm sitting right in front of the police station. The police officer comes up to the car. I had the T-tops off. He shines his light in the car. He wants to see my driver's license and insurance card. And then he shines the light in the car. And then he asks me this question, young man, have you been drinking? 
And, and I wasn't trying to be smart. Or, and I said, yes, I have been. I just finished the Dr. Pepper just a minute ago. He was not entertained by my honesty at all. And he said, I want you to get out of the car and step behind the car. And so he made me take a test. Praise the Lord, I passed the test. And so I went home. I, just, I was just drinking Dr. Pepper. But test. How many of us like to take tests? I was a student at Belmont University one time, final exam. You had to write it all out. So I wrote it out, and literally when I got the test back, the professor said, I'm not sure exactly what you wrote, but I believe it is correct. <laughs> and so I passed the test. Serious note. I've walked with many families over my pastoral ministry who lost a child to death. It was an extreme test for those couples. I could give you their names this morning. I could give you the context of those. It was a test of their lives. It was a test of their faith. It was a test of their marriages as well. There are times in life you're going to get a pop quiz. And then there are times in life you're going to come up against a final exam. And what are you going to do with those? Pop quizzes aren't too bad. Final exams take a lot of work. What do you do in the midst of those? And I ask you individually, but also ask us as a church, when we find ourselves in the midst of those tests, are we going to pass the test? Is our prayer to obey God when those tests come in life? Abraham is getting ready to face the test of his life. It's going to be in reference to his son. It's going to be in reference to a question God's going to ask him. It's going to be in reference to an experience of worship. And you have to understand in Genesis 22, there's nothing about the style of worship in this text. It's when my prayer is to obey God. God, you spoke into my life. You asked me to do this, and I'm going to obey you and follow your leadership. The test of his life. I believe in Genesis 22, this wasn't a pop quiz for Abraham. I think this was a major exam for him. And is he going to pass the test or not? So I want you to look at your outline. I want to walk through this with you today as we walk through Genesis 22 and make some comments, application, be faithful to God's word. But look at number one, prepare to answer many difficult questions. When I think about the story in Genesis 22, I think about Abraham and Isaac, the difficult questions that were coming his way. Again, I've taken many exams over the years. I could tell you some difficult questions I've had to deal with. Uh, Hebrew class, difficult questions and exams. Greek class, difficult questions and very tough exams. I could talk about my doctoral defense. The morning that I was in New Orleans for that, those men asked very difficult questions, stress-related type stuff. And then here Abraham is getting ready to face some extremely difficult questions in his life. And God's going to speak into his life and ask him to do something that would be one of the most major tests of his life. Abraham probably thought life was going to be good for him. I mean, he had wealth, he had money, he had status. He had a wife, had a son, had promise. He was putting down some roots, as we see in, in Genesis 21. He had planted a tamarisk tree. So when you plant trees, you plan on staying there for a while. He was settling down, doing those things. And all of a sudden, one day, the voice of God spoke into his life, called him by his name, and said, Abraham, here's what I want you to do in the morning with your son. A difficult question came his way. 
as you and I think about this, we need to prepare as well to answer many difficult questions because the test that Abraham is going to receive had many difficult questions to it. Same for you and me as we follow the leadership of Jesus. There are going to be many questions come our way and they're going to be difficult. And the question is, are we going to pass the test or not? Look at the, look at the first, what I want you to see here, the difference between the test and the temptation. Look at this fill in the blank. Satan tempts you and me to destroy our faith. God tests you and me to develop our faith. Well, Satan wants to destroy you and me. He wants to destroy this church. But God wants to develop you and me. He wants us to be stronger. He wants us to pass the test. Whether it's a pop quiz or a major exam, he wants us to pass the test. Because he wants to develop your relationship with him, your walk with him, your faith with him. God is stretching you and me as we live by faith and not simply by sight. So what are some of the questions? Here's some of the questions. Number one, will we follow God? As you look at this text, you find now Abraham. Now the Lord said to Abram, and here's what he's saying to Abraham when you look at this text in Genesis 22. And the Lord said to Abraham, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I. You understand this? God was speaking directly to Abraham's life. He wasn't speaking to somebody else in another section. He was speaking right to Abraham. And God was going to test him, major test. And the question is, Abraham, are you going to follow me or not? I'm calling you to go to a new place, and will you follow me to a new place? Because here's what the message is. He said, Abraham, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. On one of the mountains, I would tell you, he was calling Abraham to go to a new place. It was not the first time God had called Abraham to go to a new place. In Genesis 12, God called him to go to a land that I will later show you. And the Bible says Abraham obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. So God had called him to a new place before. And here in Genesis 22, God's called him to go to a new place again, to the land of Moriah. Will you follow God or not? Church, I want to ask you this morning, and as Angel and I, as I think about this text, God has called us many times over to go to a new place. Not to go backwards to some place, but to go to a new place. We've had to leave places that we loved. We've had to leave people that we've loved. But God has given us a test to say, are you going to follow me or not? And here's the test. I want you to major transitions. And, and maybe God's calling you to do the same in your life. Maybe God's calling you to go to another level in your spiritual walk with him. And he's calling you and asking you, will you follow me to go to a new place? There's a real danger for us in life is we always want to go back to the way it used to be. But God often calls you and me to go to a new place. A new place as individuals, a new place as couples, families, a new place as a church. But the question is, this morning, even for us as a church, will we follow God? Meaning, he wants us to go to a new place, to a new level with him. Will we follow him or not? That's a question Abraham was facing. Will he follow God? And here's to say, go to a land, a Moriah, I'm going to lead you there. It's going to be a new place. Number two, will we give God? What do you mean by that? Will we give God? Look in Genesis 22 again. God tested Abraham. He said, I want you to take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. Will you give God what is most precious and what is most valuable to you in your life? Not something you don't need, something that's left over, something you can do, do without. Not that at all, but what is most precious to you? Will you give that to God? Will you give him everything of your life? 
And here he's asking Abraham, Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and I want you to go to this new place, Moriah, and I, there I want you to sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the altars, the mountains I'm going to tell you about. Will you give God your best? How many of you this morning are willing to come before God and say, God, we have two kids, three kids, one child. And God, I just come this morning surrendering that they're yours. You do whatever with them in life you want to do with them. God, you've given us jobs and resources and money. And God, the money that we have in life, it is yours. We want to be generous and sacrificial and cheerful. So God, it's yours. We give obediently unto you. How many of us are willing to come before God with our own lives today and stand before him and say, God, wherever you lead us to go, we're going to be obedient and go and follow you. So so are we going to follow? Are we going to give? God, we're going to give you the best of our lives. I love this text here, and I want to challenge dads in this room, even granddads. The Bible says, Abraham, I want you to take your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and I want you to go to the region of Moriah, and there I want you to sacrifice him as a burnt offering. There's no question that Isaac knew the love of his dad. It's not Father's Day, but dads and granddads, when you think about your sons, your daughters, you think about your grandkids, do they know without any question in life that you love them? Dads in this room, those watching, granddads in this room and watching, I'm going to ask you this morning, when's the last time you said to your son, daughter, you said to your grandkids these words, I love you. When's the last time you told them? Dads and granddads, when's the last time you showed sacrificially how much you love your kids and your grandkids? Oh, there's no question. Isaac's going to know my dad loves Almighty God, but there's no question. He loves me. And so will we follow God? Will we give God our absolute best in life, meaning even our kids, our money, our lives, wherever he leads, I will follow. There's some difficult questions in this test. Look at the third one. Will we trust God? God, I don't have all the answers. I can't explain it. I don't know what's going to happen when we get on top of Moriah. I don't understand all this. But God, I trust you in the midst of that. And as you and I understand Abraham, Abraham was growing in his relationship with God. And because he was growing in his relationship with God, God was stretching him and using him. And so as you and I look at the Word of God and we study people like Abraham and Moses and other biblical characters, we learn from them about how to trust God, how to overcome temptation, how to be faithful in life, how to finish well. We learn from God's people how to live out the Christian life. So are you growing in your relationship with God? And how are you trusting God to say, God, I don't know how this is going to end. I don't even know how this is going to go tomorrow. But God, I'm trusting you because this is what you've asked out of my life trusting you the question is will you follow god will you give god will you trust god how will i know if i'm trusting god or not how will i know if i'm growing in my relationship and my walk with him or not here's some ways you're going to be able to tell if you're growing in your relationship to god or not if you're growing in your relationship with the lord you have a hunger for him not, not just merely for sports or entertainment or for food you have a hunger for almighty god in your life you get up in the morning thinking about him. 
You go throughout your day thinking about the Lord Jesus in your life. You go to bed at night and say, oh God, I hope I obeyed you today in my life. I hope I gave you my best. Are you growing in your relationship with him? When you're growing in your relationship with God, you have a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit in your life. When you sin, you're going to be convicted by that to confess that and get right with God. When the Holy Spirit's leading you in life to follow God's leadership, you have a sensitivity to his leadership to say, God, this is what you want out of my life. It doesn't make sense, but God, I'm going to obey you. When you're growing in your relationship to God, you have this passion to serve him. You don't want to just sit on the sidelines and let everyone else serve. You say, God, you saved me. You gifted me. You've left me on this earth. And God, you've called me to serve you. So I'm growing in you and I want my life to make a difference for your kingdom. God, I'm here to serve. And then as you're growing in your relationship with God, what what happens is this. What matters to God becomes important to you in life as well. God, your church matters to you, so it matters to me. God, lost people matter to you, they matter to me. Spiritual growth matters to you, it matters to me. And so, God, I want to help people worship you, want to love people, want to share Jesus, I want to make disciples. Those things matter to you and they matter to me. But this exam in life, not just a pop quiz, but this final exam is going to have difficult questions inside of it. And how do you answer them? Will you follow God? You're a child, you're a student, you're an adult. Will you follow God with your life? All those different age groups, will you give God your best in your life? And all those age groups, will you trust God with everything that you have? Because you're growing in relationship to Him. Number two, learn to face several unique challenges. Uh, when I think about life, I tend to be real in life. And I don't want to live my head in the sand. I want to face real issues head on. And so sometimes when you see things just aren't going so well, you address those. When you make commitments, you think, what did I just do? What did I just, what kind of commitment did I just make? And I don't know about you, but sometimes you make a commitment, you make a decision, you start heading down the road, and you thought, I didn't know it was going to be like this. I didn't know the consequences were going to be this great. You make a commitment and say, I'm going to read the Word of God every day in my life. It's going to cost you something to do that. You can make a commitment and say, God, I'm going to surrender my all to you, not just in a song at the end of the service, but I'm going to surrender my all to you as my life. God, I didn't know you'd ask me to do that. You make a commitment that you're going to listen more and speak less. You didn't realize how difficult that's going to be in life. God, I want to say something. Well, no, you said you were going to listen more and speak less. But, but have you ever signed up for something? You thought, God, I didn't know it was going to end like this. And can you imagine for Abraham, God has spoken into his life, called him by his name. Now he's calling Abraham to take his only son, Isaac, to go to this new place, land of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering. And then listen, I'm going to give you direction from there. Some unique challenges in the call of God, in this final exam for Abraham. Here's some things inside this I want, you to, I want you to get a hold of here for a moment. Look at number one. Settle the issue of unconditional obedience. Folks, for some of us, as we worship God in spirit and in truth, we've got to settle the issue of unconditional obedience. Here's the test again. I want you to take your only son Isaac, whom you love, Take him there as a burnt offering. Offer him there on one mountain, which I will tell you. How did Abraham respond? He settled the issue of unconditional obedience. So Abraham rose early in the morning. 
He rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him, and his son Isaac. He didn't procrastinate. He didn't delay. He didn't try to negotiate with God, maybe a different agenda, a different deal. He didn't hit the snooze button early that morning. He got up early in the morning, ready to obey the leadership of God. God, you asked me to take my only son, Isaac. You asked me to go to a new place, this region of Moriah. And God, you asked me to sacrifice him. I don't even know all that that means, but God, I'm obeying you. It's unconditional obedience to God. God, you asked, and I'm saying yes. Have you settled in your life this issue of unconditional obedience? And let me just give you from example. I'm still learning many lessons. There are many Many tests coming our way as well. But I understand this. When, when, when God asks you to give something, it's generally going to be something significant for you in life, but it's also going to be something that to other people makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Can you imagine the people around Abraham? What in the world are you thinking? I mean, what did you eat last night for dinner? This is ridiculous. To go sacrifice your only son. God's promised you and you're going to this place called Moriah and sacrifice him there. That's what God said. That's what God asked. And I'm going to be unconditionally obedient to him. Have you settled that issue in your life? Again, when I think about kids, students, adults, when you look at your lives, unconditional obedience. God, it's a blank piece of paper. Whatever you ask me to do, God, yes, is going to be my answer. It's unconditional obedience to you. That was Abraham's life. Number two, anticipate periods when heaven is silent. You have to realize from Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 11, several days transpired in the midst of that, and there were times that heaven was silent for him. But God, what, you just keep going to the, to, the, to the land of Moriah. You keep going. And then on the third day, all of a sudden, God spoke up again. But there are going to be times in your life when God's going to lead you that's going to appear like heaven is silent. But please understand, when heaven is silent, it doesn't mean God is asleep somewhere. God is working behind the scenes in ways that you cannot see. And then all of a sudden one day, when you're at the right place, the circumstances are at the right place, God pulls back the curtain and says, here's what I've been preparing in you or in the situation. When you thought I was silent, I was working behind the scenes. He was doing that in Abraham's life. Doing, does that in our lives as well. There are times, as I've sought God's leading us this direction, and then heaven is silent for a number of days, weeks. God, what are you doing? And then all of a sudden one day, God says, here's why I've been silent in your life, because here's what's getting ready to happen. And when you go through this, you've got to realize unconditional obedience. You've got to realize there are going to be times it's going to appear heaven's going to be silent. Number three, respond with a heart of worship. When you look at the text in Genesis 22, here's a great story. And he goes on to say, On the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes, saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to the young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there. And what are they going to do? They're going to go over there and worship and then come again. We're going to go there and worship God. He, he saw this as a worship encounter, a worship experience with the true and living God in life. So whatever God was asking... Difficult questions, unique challenges. It was a worship context for Abraham. Uh, many of us know the name Horatio Spafford very well. Horatio Spafford was a friend of D.L. Moody in Chicago. Horatio Spafford had a lot of real estate holdings, but in 1871 from the Chicago fire, he lost a lot of his real estate holdings. 
And then if that wasn't enough, in 1873, his wife and four daughters sailing across the Atlantic get to a place, have a collision. All four daughters die. Horatio Spafford receives a telegram from his wife, and it just says, saved alone. Telling him that all four of his daughters have perished in this accident. A few days later, as, as Horatio Spafford, sailing across the Atlantic, gets to the place where they are, where, where they lost their lives at, God used him to write this hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. That became an experience of worship for Horatio Spafford in his life. And so when you think about unconditional obedience, the silence of heaven at times, are you responding with a heart of worship? And in Genesis 22, again, not making light of any musical styles, but there's no music here. It's just, God, I'm obeying you, and it's a heart of worship here. And then number four, believe God will fulfill his promises. Abraham was, was clinging to the promises of God because he said, I and the boy are going to go there and worship, and then we're going to do what? We're going to come again. I mean, he's living by faith. It's a promise. God, I believe you can raise the dead. I believe there's an emphasis here where he says third day. Understand in Scripture, the third day matters a lot. The third day has biblical significance. Why? Because who came out of the grave on the third day? Jesus Christ defeated death in the grave. He is alive, and he came out of that grave on the third day. And here Abraham is saying on the third day, the third day, the third day is something you're going to see God do something. So I and the boy, we're going to go there and we're going to worship and we're going to come again. Abraham has, God, you're going to be faithful to every promise you make. The Bible's filled with thousands of promises. I promise you this, you can put a stake in the ground on this. Our God will not disobey or break a single promise that's quoted in the word of God. He's faithful. You can rely on the promises of God. Number three, expect to experience various teachable moments. When I think about this text, I think about Abraham and Isaac walking alone. I think about them going up this mountain, Moriah. We've been to Jerusalem, the Temple Mount's there today. It's just a sacred place in the holy city of Jerusalem. And I think about just all the teachable moments that are happening as they're walking along, worshiping God and obeying Him. Look at these two statements. One, prepare to give an answer. There are going to be some questions that come your way. You need to prepare to give an answer. There are times people are going to ask us in the Christian life to say, why do you go to church? I promise you, you've got to be ready to answer that question. Here's why I, I gather with the people of God. This is why church matters to me. Somebody may ask you because they see you someday, why do you pray before you eat? I mean, what's the big deal behind that? Why do you do that? Well, be ready to give an answer. Here's why. Because every good and perfect gift comes from God, and I'm thankful for what God's given me in life. Be ready to give an answer for that. Now, somebody may ask you, hey, I noticed the other day all the employees at the workplace went down to the club, but you didn't go. Why didn't you go to the club with the other employees? Why didn't you do that? God gives you an opportunity to give a great answer. Somebody watches your behavior and they say, hey, I noticed the other day you stayed so calm when that person did something and did that against you. How did you stay so calm? You're just able to give, give an answer. Prepare to give an answer. That day as they walked along, Abraham and Isaac going along, and here's the text of the story, and Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, and he said, here I am, my son. He said, 
Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? It's a great question. I see the fire, I see the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? See, in Genesis 22, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? In the Gospel of John, it was what? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And the book of Revelation says what? Worthy is the lamb. You worship him because he's worthy. Where is the lamb? A great, great teachable moment. And just be prepared to give an answer. And Abraham, what did he say in that context? He didn't remain silent. He just said... God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. Uh, God's going to be faithful. He's going to I don't know how this is going to end, but God's going to be faithful. Number two, believe that actions do matter. You, you better believe people are watching you and me in the Christian life. Actions do matter. So they continue on. They came to the place of which God told them. Abraham built the altar there, laid the wood in order, bound Isaac, his son, laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand, took the knife to slaughter his son. You imagine that. They've been walking up this mountain, days, third day. Isaac's bound with this wood. He's on the altar. Abraham's got his hand in the air, getting ready to slaughter his son. Because that's what God asked him to do. And then finally God says, wait, 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 Abraham, Abraham, stop right there. That's enough. That's enough. And then what happened? Somewhere in the thicket there was a ram. And all of a sudden, instead of Isaac being sacrificed, the ram was going to be sacrificed. Here's how amazing God is. Abraham didn't know this. Here's how amazing God is. Abraham and Isaac, I can just picture this in my mind. Abraham and Isaac coming up one side of the mountain. But guess what was coming up the other side of the mountain? It was a ram. And then at God's perfect time, stop. Abraham, Abraham, that's enough. The ram is over there. That's how God works. Can you imagine Isaac seeing the obedience of his dad? When I think about Genesis 22, I... I think it's not just that Isaac gets to worship with his father. Isaac understood, I need to worship like my father. What a great lesson that is in life. So I want to ask you here for a moment, what or who is your Isaac in your life? What's God asking you to give up? What, what tests, what questions are on the test? What or who is your Isaac that God is saying, I want you to, want you to give it to me? I read this quote, and I wrote it down here because I don't want to miss it. Dr. Adrian Rogers, who's with the Lord today, and here's what Dr. Adrian Rogers said. Anything we love more, fear more, serve more, or value more than God is your idol. What or who is your Isaac? And then, dads, I want to ask you, when it comes to the spiritual life, are you setting a great spiritual example for your kids? Do they see you worshiping God? Do they hear you worshiping God? Do they see you giving God your best in life? Do they see you getting up in the morning and say, God, I'm not just going to give my all to Tennessee or Kentucky or Florida today. Lord Jesus, I'm giving my all to you. Do they see that in your life? It's a teachable moment. Actions matter. They're watching you. What do they see you doing? What do they hear you saying? How do they see you loving your family, but loving the Lord Jesus Christ in your life? 
And then those of us here in this room, and you think about spirit and truth. I think about Abraham never took his eyes off the Lord. And, and then I think about this verse in Hebrews chapter 11. And then Hebrews chapter 12, the great hall of faith in Hebrews 11. Abraham is, is a key figure in that. And then in Hebrews chapter 12, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Here's what I would say to us this morning. If you struggle with doubt, fix your eyes on Jesus. If you're afraid in life, fix your eyes on Jesus. If you face temptation that you don't think you can withstand, fix your eyes on Jesus. If you have failed miserably in life, fix your eyes on Jesus. If you are frustrated with life and the direction of your life, fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on the Lord Jesus. Why? Who for the cross and the joy set before him. He has defeated death. He has defeated the grave. Jesus Christ is alive. Listen, he is the resurrection and the hope. Fix your eyes on him. Fix your eyes on him. Just as God provided a ram, he'll provide for you. He's given us a lamb, and he's laid down his life for you and for me. Who is your Isaac? What is your Isaac? Dads, are you modeling godly, Christ-centered worship before your family? And then will you fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith? Here's the good news. In the room and watching, you can come to him today just as you are. Broken, wounded, a mess. You can come to him and he will change your life. That's worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Let's pray together. Heads bowed in the room and those who are watching. I just want to appeal to you. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, I appeal to you. Surrender your life to Jesus Christ today. Come to him just as you are. Let the grace of God change your life. Forgive your sin. Give you a brand new beginning. You're born again, transformed, changed. Give you the assurance that you're going to spend eternity in heaven. You can be saved and redeemed and transformed today. Just as we saw from a sweet young girl earlier today, if you need to be obedient to the Lord Jesus in baptism, obey him when my prayer is to obey him. God, I pray to obey you today. So yes, I'm going to follow you in baptism. This church family, when my prayer is to obey him. I mean, God's leading you to this church, wants you to be involved and grow and serve. Come today and make a connection to this church family. God's calling you into ministry. He wants to do a great work in your life vocationally surrender your life to him when my prayer is to obey God you've got somebody in your life outside of relationship to Christ who needs to know the Lord Jesus have a gospel conversation with that person when my prayer is to obey God what is your Isaac who is your Isaac dads are you living godly before your kids Maybe, Dad, you need to come to this altar and repent of your sin and say, listen, I've modeled what it means to have a great career, what it means to be in love with sports, but not the Lord Jesus. And you say, today's the day that this becomes that Mount Moriah for me, that, that, I, that I obey him. And 
And I start modeling godly Christian living and worship to my kids and family. And then maybe you need to turn your eyes to Jesus and say, Jesus, I come to you just as I am, broken and wounded and a mess, and let me leave a different person today. He'll do that. So, Lord Jesus, I pray today for your glory to be in this invitation, this time of response. It's not for our egos. God, it's obedience unto you. And God, I believe today if one or two or three would obey you, it would be such a motivation, a spiritual insight for others to obey you as well. And so God, for salvation or baptism or church affiliation or surrender to you in some way, God, I pray the Holy Spirit would move in our midst today. And we would come to you just as we are. We'd walk out these doors in a matter of minutes and say, I'll never be the same because of worship today in spirit and in truth. So thank you, Lord Jesus. We sing to you, but we pray with anticipation for hearts to obey you because our prayer is to obey you. And I pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, let's stand together.